0: Hello, listeners. Uh, I hope you like our new uh, music. Um, it's because Peter and I are Nadal fans, and Nadal chose La Bamba as his karaoke song. That we use La Bamba now um, as an intro. Um, and speaking of Nadal, he gave an extremely flimsy excuse to not be playing um, post U.S. Open. Like he played Laver Cup, and then is like all of a sudden too injured to play the Asia swing, um, and so did Curios, um, and so just to get us started, I was wondering what's, are there any excuses you've made to not do something you didn't want to do that were especially flimsy, that, like, stand out?
1: Yeah, so, I think to fit this category, your audience has to know that it's a flimsy excuse, and, like, Sort of not really care the same way none of us really cared that uh that uh Nadal and Kyrgios are like pulled out of Labor Cup and are pulling out of the Asia swing um at least in the Western hemisphere um and so
0: I right, would go a step further we I openly applaud Nadal for not playing this like worthless part of the season but yeah go on
1: yeah so mine is actually a recurring one and it's basically whenever uh not whenever but often when my girlfriend um like has a uh, suggests a like a like a vampire movie or a just a really really cheesy chick flick to watch um and i'm i just don't have it in me i'll just my response will be, you know, I would, and I, I really want to, but I just know you'd enjoy it so much more with, with Anya, but I don't want to, and Anya's her best friend, but <laughs> I, I don't want to just, uh, like, I, I want I want it to be fresh for you for that moment.
0: <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty good. And,
1: and, uh, and she knows I'm full of shit. And it doesn't really mind because she doesn't expect me to like that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it kind of fits this whole um, Nadal not playing Asia.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: In fact, fact, to extend this even further, she might even like me less if I liked those movies more. (laughs) The same way I might like Nadal less if he played Asia more.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good comparison. Mine is not quite as, uh, neat a fit as that. I'm just going for, like, a flimsy excuse. And, uh, it's, the flimsiest excuse I've encountered is not actually my excuse, but it's my mom's when, uh, when a trip is being planned. She's always like, oh, but I can't leave the dogs here all alone. Uh, completely, uh... You know, uh, overlooking, or not overlooking, but, like, pretending that there isn't an entire industry to, like, taking care of dogs when families go on vacation, um, and it is, like, the single flimsiest excuse I've, like, ever heard, um.
1: But it's also, it's also a very common one.
0: Yeah, but Which, it's also, it's extremely flimsy, think, no matter who uses it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, um. It's a it's a flimsy but common excuse that's become sort of relatively accepted in uh in mainstream behavior. The uh but yeah, I think that actually does fit the Nadal um situation because like I feel like flimsy excuses have been in vogue during the Asia swing for a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's a reason uh paris at least i guess paris can be included in the asia swing even though it's not but the last two winners of paris have been jack sock and karen catching off for a reason <laughs>
1: yeah um yeah
0: yeah so i guess uh speaking of nadal and curios and labor cup uh, what is your take on labor cup like what what did you think of it
1: think um i think a few things first i think that the only reason it's a thing is because the better players play it and the only reason the better players play it is because they're all friends and it's sort of a time to hang out um but i think that uh i think that it won't be a thing i think that uh In five years, it's not going to be—it's not going to attract the best players anymore, and not be as—and therefore, not be as much of a like must sort of follow event for a tennis fan. Because, a, I think one of the reasons—one of the main reasons the like um, the like second tier like stars play. Is because it gives it it provides them proximity to Nadal and Federer, and I guess to a lesser extent Djokovic, and those guys just like want to be hanging out and be like on the same uh, on the same uh, platform as those guys. And then when Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer uh, stop playing or retire or whatever, it's just going to become just a much less uh, coveted thing like to be a part of by the other players um, and the other way things could shake out where people won't go anymore is if the guys start like not really liking each other
0: yeah so I've got a few takes. One is that I think it's kind of lame and that I think it's rigged as well. Like, Team Europe was so much better than Team like World and it uh, somehow ended up going to the last match, um, the decisive match between Zverev and Rejnic. Um And another take is that... Uh, I mean, Jack Sock won a match, and he can't even win a qualifying round of... Like, a a challenger tournament in the round of 32. Like, um... And I guess, um... It's supposed to be, like, tennis's version of the Ryder Cup, but, yeah, just... I don't know, it's just hard to, like, um... Give it that, like um esteem and
1: uh it's like midway between an exhibition and uh
0: yeah and I do think the guys are going to continue to play because they must be paid just a ton of money for it um and I think that's the the underground thing and I think that's something that brings me to a greater point which is I really think appearance fees and not just Labor Cup and Exhibition but like 500s and 250 tournaments should be um, totally transparent because uh, yeah I just think it's I don't know the thing that was cool about Labor Cup was just getting to hear like Federer coaching like Fognini or like Nadal coaching um, Sverev or something Um, just seeing the guys were clearly having a lot of fun Uh, what you were talking about with like hanging out with Federer Nadal, apparently Federer Nadal forced Tsitsipas to drink champagne when Team Europe won, something (laughs) Tsitsipas's mom uh, wasn't pleased with, or I think it was sort of a joke that Tsitsipas's mom wasn't pleased with it, but he doesn't typically drink alcohol so uh, I think that's like Sort of a funny story to show. Wait, he really is actually just twenty years old. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. those
1: guys are that's that's, that's like that's kind of like hazing. A but bit. <laughs> yeah, like forcing
0: the freshman to drink. Yeah, we did that in college. But yeah, and he is just like college age. He could be a sophomore in college right now. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think. I, I agree with all of that, especially the part of that transpa- the transparency with appearance piece. I think one more point is that um, you gotta see like how competitive these guys really are, because that's what's really motivating them more than anything else. Like the fact is, like Jack sock did win a match, but at the same time, the Kyrgios Federer match for the last like three years has been at an insanely high level. And I think part of it is because this is exactly where Kyrios thrives in a one-off match situation against one against um, one of the legends in the sport, and uh, that the the his opponent doesn't really care that much. It's not like a Grand Slam match or anything, and uh, and but at the same time, like Federer if it was somebody else across the net Federer would care less but those guys just don't want to lose the curious
0: yeah cuz then he'll go on a rothenberg podcast and talk about it like, it's, uh, uh, like a roland garros final yeah yeah like like
1: <laughs> the, his the the way he like shit talks Joke Yeah, like,
0: for his, his, his losing record. to him
1: twice at the at the at the um nadir of his his like slump, um, in tournaments that, yeah, basically in the nadir of Djokovic's slump,
0: yeah, in non Grand Slams, yeah,
1: and uh, in early rounds too,
0: and yeah.
1: The and so, um, I think that that is actually what keeps the event afloat. It's the fact that, um. When they, there are certain matchups where neither side wants to lose, even if it's not a real turn, real tournament, and uh, I think that's actually why Nadal and, and Kyrgios both uh, sat out that match. It's because neither of them, neither of them, really had it in them to uh, give it. 95% or more and they knew that and because of that uh, they didn't want to play because they didn't want to like lose to the other one
0: yeah um, anyway uh, it was interesting to see I guess the teams the teams were it seems like constructed uh, well before well in advance because neither medvedev nor uh was on team europe um and those guys are now top eight in the world both of them um and i guess this brings us to uh i guess the asia swing i guess medvedev has been in six straight finals now uh capping it off with a masters 1000 crown in uh shanghai this week and uh one very notable thing about Shanghai is that the semifinals were all people 23 and under. Uh, so it was uh, Tsitsipas versus Medvedev and Sverev versus Berrettini. Um, which really uh, were really on the cusp of a, of a new generation. Um,
1: yeah, or it's just the Asia swing. I mean... The I think on the cusp that that's that can be defined loosely. Um, I the way I the way I want it, the way I would the question to ask really is, are any of those going to win a grand slam next year, or is it just going to be the big three again? Um, but in terms of Medvedev, yeah, he's he's so impressive. Like, the fact is, he's sustaining it, like, he. He made those initial two final or three finals before the U.S. Open. Then he just sort of like cruised. I mean, not cruised, but like it seemed like he wasn't even at like a hundred percent physically, and he still made the final. And that's just the kind of shit that only like the big three really do. Um, it's the, the the fact this level of consistency. What this says to me is that. It's not just that he's awesome at his best; he's pretty awesome at his second and third best too. Yeah. It's not like every single one of these matches he's been, he's been um, like, like really feeling good. Um, I, I'm really impressed by the, the way he's been able to follow up his 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 summer, and it just makes me buy in a lo- even
0: more because he's he's able to sustain it. Yeah. I think, uh, it's becoming clearer and clearer. The more I see him play in like finals and semifinals that, uh, his movement is just incredible. Um, I think he might be the fastest player on tour, or at least the fastest player who hits a really hard ball on tour. Um, Yeah, his consistency and movement, it's just, like, phenomenal. Um, And I think his closest analog is actually Djokovic. Like, I see Medvedev play, I'm like, oh, he looks like Djokovic. And when you see them playing against each other, it's like, wow, it's sort of like Nadal playing Verdasco. Yeah.
1: It's, um, this is kind of... It's like there was it's like a star was born all of a sudden. Like he was plodding around in the mid teens and then he just shot up. And part of me wonders what clicked. Like I don't even think he knows what clicked. I think he just like kept playing and, you know, he just started seeing seeing thing seeing it better. Um like I wonder what it was that sort of gelled so that he could he could really um, break through.
0: Yeah. Um, Another analog I have for him is like, he's sort of like the male Venus Williams um, because he's just so lanky. Um, But he has everything in his game um, with Mm -hmm. like movement, serve, volley. Um, He never looks like he's... Like exerting too much effort. um, um Yeah. But I think. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think you're right. I don't know. I like Djokovic a little more, but I think there is some sort of fusion because of his length. Um, the reason I like Djokovic more is because Venus is like almost a pure power player, whereas Medvedev is not. Um, yeah, Medvedev.
0: Medvedev likes twenty-shot exchanges. Yeah, um, yeah. I think one thing uh, he worked on was his. He he talks about his mental game. He's like always been a good athlete, but he's really focused on the mental side of the sport this year, and that actually is what separates the big three from other very talented guys. Just like the mental side, the internal computer.
1: Um, yeah i think there is some of that but i think um i don't think it's like maturity or composure or anything i also i think there's just this like next level of pattern recognition that makes you see things better um and just his his computer got an upgrade and what's interesting is that yeah he, he has no, a lot of peers. He, he upgraded were, from leopard like, to snow and,
0: leopard. Yeah.
1: And he yeah, and he has a lot of peers who were kind of at his level and nobody else has gotten the upgrade that he got. And so it's like, is it is it lucky or is it like um or was it was he just seriously underachieving for a really long time?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, like okay, so we, we pay attention to these guys when they're, like, 19 or 20, but both Medvedev and Berrettini, like, nobody knew who Berrettini was except for the real tennis geeks at the beginning of the season. Both of them are 23, um, so they weren't getting the same attention that, like, Chorich and, like, Zverev were getting, but, like, they had their big leaps a little bit later. Um, I think one lesson from that is, like, uh, like, like twenty three is still young, um, and yeah. you can still like growth happens. Like, you never know when when the big uh, the big shoot up and level will happen. Um, I yeah, guess like twenty five is like, tw- but like Stan had his at like thirty, you know, and yeah, so. But
1: Stan- i think what we're what we're really seeking is an actual heir to the current big three so somebody who has like the potential to win 15 grand slams and if you haven't won one by the time you're 23 it's it's significantly harder to stack up historically
0: yeah that's true um
1: but yeah. a point on Zverev. So Zverev is having a bad year. He had really shitty results in in the Grand Slams. He's still seventh in the race.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, he's having um, his worst possible like, year, and he's number seven in the world.
1: Yeah, and so like, he's still like a he's. St- I mean, it, I think Medvedev is. Playing better right now than Zverev ever has. Uh, I mean, Medvedev has won two Masters, one thousands in a row, almost three. Um, if Nadal didn't exist, Medvedev would own the tennis world right now. The, but uh, I mean, he's he's still like right there.
0: Yeah, Zverev just. I'm looking for him to rebound next year. The thing He's is
1: destined like to be
0: he needs to uh I'm not gonna pick him in a major to get past like around the thirty two until he reaches like a semifinal. Um yeah, his five set um tournament record is uh at this point, um he needs to to show that he can do it before you pick him. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm not betting on him.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I think he may he may have a I don't know. He's he's a wild card for next year because didn't he have weird off court stuff going on this year too?
0: Yeah, he like had, <coughs> he had a lot of things going on off court. He fired.
1: He'll he'll be 24. He's still so f- immature though. No, no, Svarov will
0: be 22.
1: He's only 21 now. Yeah. So. Next year?
0: Yeah, he'll be 22 next year. He's 21 now. Really? Yeah. No yeah so. will be 24.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, I
0: mean, he's he's got time. Um, no, he'll be 23 next year. He's 22
1: and a half now.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Um... <coughs> it's
1: like one of the things we're we're seeing is like maturity is winning out. Um. So Zverev and Kyrgios were the Kyrgios is arguably the most talented. He's probably the most talented to come along outside the big three, maybe ever. Um. But his his maturity is so poor that he just like can't keep it together. I think Zverev. I think Kyrios has kind of been his buffer because Verov is really immature, and um, I think that's holding him back too. Uh, I think maturity is different from like, do you have outbursts? Do you? And I think like even though Medvedev isn't perfect, he's he's also like very like thoughtful. And uh, you listen to him talk, and you just think like, all right, this guy like is smart. Um yeah. and just and it just has like a, a a sort of degree of perspective and a degree of maturity that the other two don't. Yeah. Um, I think Sitsapass is actually really mature. Even though he's kind of a kid, he's like doing the little things right. Like I think one of the reasons it's kinda of shitty and a doll and Federer made him like drink the champagne is cause like what like abstaining from drinking is a is like a legitimate personal choice, especially for a, a professional athlete. Um, I think uh, I think Shapovalov is is not very mature. Um, he's, I mean, you see it with his errors. You see it with like his body language on court, and he's he's one of the ones who's been stagnating.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think, yeah, all of these guys are talented, but it's the guy who puts it together mentally that's going to uh it's gonna take that extra leap and I think that's what we're seeing from Medvedev and I think fertini as well, I think he's a very mature uh personality, he says all the right things and um really seems like a a guy everyone likes in the locker room yeah
1: and I think part of it is like there's a certain amount of are you playing for the crowd are you trying to be cool or are you saying what you actually think and uh I feel like Medvedev is like actually saying he's like actually speaking his mind, yeah not just like he's being authentic. speaking his mind but like trying really just to like make um make a splash
0: yeah, and if you like sort of go back to other I guess older players who have a lot of talent but never really had their moment like Malfese is one of those that I don't think he ever like was fully there mentally like to just like go for go for the biggest titles and same with Fognini like I guess both of those have had moments in Masters 1000 events but um yeah I don't think I might they might not be um, solid enough mentally and emotionally to get over that the top barrier yeah
1: um but so i I promised a zverev take um, i uh I think this might actually be too kind to Zverev. But I think he's the—he might be the tennis equivalent of Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> uh, Kershaw won three Cy Youngs. Literally has a resume to be one of the best regular season pitchers ever. And then he, for the last seven years, he's had ample opportunity to um, to uh, show his stuff on the on the biggest stage where it counts the most. And in 158 innings, he has like a 4.8 ERA or something in the postseason, <laughs> and it all culminated this this uh, this this last week when um, the Dodgers were up three to one, and he had a chance to to save the game um, in the late innings and and just uh, bring the team home, and he faced three batters and. He struck out the first one, the second one hit a home run off him, the third one hit a home run off him, and the Dodgers collapsed on the shoulders of Clayton Kershaw when it mattered. Meanwhile, Zverev, he, uh, he's been playing pretty well this Asia swing. He just made the finals of Shanghai. He, he won the um, year-end tournament last year. He won. He's won three mm-hmm. Masters 1000s. And he's only twenty-two years old, but his uh, his record when it really matters is inexplicably horrific.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a tennis player who did as well in non Grand Slams as Sverev, and as poorly in Grand Slams as Sver like, yeah who like the discrepancy between grand slam results and non grand slam results is so stark. Um, so yeah, I can see that comparison. Uh, Kershaw is better than Sverev though, at least. Um, term he's like a true legend of the sport, but I mean, Sverev is only 22, so he has time to be, um, Another, there have been plenty of other athletes who have struggled in the post season compared to regular, like Ovechkin was one, but the Caps then won the Stanley cup. Uh, A-Rod, he, he had that, uh, sort of, um, reputation, reputation, but he won, he won the world series at some point. And I, so, I do see Sver of winning a grand slam at some point. So, yeah,
1: uh, Pey- 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 Peyton Manning was another, yeah. um, then there was uh there is James Harden,
0: yeah James Harden, that's a good one um yeah, and so I, the, the book hasn't been written I mean, this is so early in Suverov's career um I mean Andy Murray, I mean Andy Murray was getting the semis and finals, but he still hadn't won a Grand Slam after like his first like nine Grand Slam finals appearances um But, I mean, Sverev isn't getting the finals. He's, like, his best result is a quarterfinal. So, Um, yeah. Um, Speaking of Murray, have you seen any of his play? Um, What do you think of his comeback so far?
1: I haven't actually seen much. Um, I think his results are steadily getting better, which is nice. I... Um. I think generally, guys who are that talented uh, make it back. Um, we haven't seen an injury quite as invasive as the one he's coming back from, and he is older than most people would like to be when they're in the process of coming back. But, uh, yeah, I.
0: I saw I, I saw his match against Juan Ignacio Londero. And that was sort of a battle. Um and it was encouraging because okay, it seems at the very least Murray is playing around like I would I would say he's about as good as if I were to rank him just based on his the way he's playing, I would say he's around number between thirty five and forty five in the world. Um which means like that's a pretty good floor, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think you're right.
0: But I think it's a while. It'll be like next season before he beats a top ten player.
1: He's come close to beating top ten players. I mean, if you count Fognini, yeah, um, he 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 didn't like team. He he did pretty respectably against team, and that was team playing very well in uh, in Beijing. I think. I think he could beat top ten players, but I, I think that uh, there could be some roller co- coaster still to go. Um, but I also think that there is that like fifteen percent chance that he's just a wrecking ball in in um in Australia, and just gets really far, because uh, like he he is just insanely talented. And you see, you see, remember when Djokovic was sort of slumping and he got down to 22 in the world and then it just happened all of a sudden that he won Wimbledon and was back?
0: Yeah. I think we'll know that Murray is back if he is, if Grigor Dmitrov draws him in the first round of uh, Australia. Because um, Grigor...
1: <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't... I don't know if that's a uh a, a the right metric though, because Stan even though he's he's owned Grigor, he uh Stan's not back.
0: Yeah. Um he'll 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 be uh ninety percent of the way back if he if he draws Grigor. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah, but that not that the ultimate, like, fl- dangerous floater? If he's not top 32 by... I mean, he won't be top 32 by Australia. So that is just, like, the ultimate... I think the most dangerous floater before this has been uh, Del Potro when he was coming back from injury the last time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Del Potro was playing, like... Top eight level and just you know drawing Djokovic in the first round.
1: It's all about just how good Murray is, though, right? It's like, I mean, even last year he was a really dangerous foot. Like he took an informed Batista Goot to five really tough sets, but um, yeah. If he like turns a corner at all, I, I mean, I'm not sure if if he'll be the dangerous floater in Australia, but there will come a time where he is the dangerous floater, and that will suck.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Though, I mean, Nadal has always done well against Murray, even when Murray was at his best. Like, Nadal, like Murray was number one in the world a year when Nadal was injured. Um, yeah, that's, that's and true. And so I'm not too worried about Rafa running into Murray, but you know, I wouldn't mind if Djokovic drew Murray in the second round of, of Australia or, or Federer or someone like that. Um, yeah. So looking forward to the end of the season, what do you have your eye on? Um, let's see,
1: looking forward to the end of the season. I think uh, what's interesting is that Medvedev is ahead of Federer in the rankings now. And so can he, can he end the season three in the world? Um, I think the, the race for number one in the world is actually going to be tight. Because Nadal has a 1,300 point lead. And Djokovic has a Masters 1,000 and a, and a year-end tournament to work with. And so, it'll a lot will depend on like how how much Djokovic really wants it and what Nadal decides to play and not play. But I think that's gonna that's a that's a storyline that could that could continue. Another is just like will just uh, will will there be a rando who ends up winning Paris again? Like who
0: who gets lucky? Yeah. What do you think? Who who gets cursed? Because Kashinov has had like a a down year, and then Sock. We all know what Sock did after he won Paris. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, if Nadal. It'll be a testament to how high these appearance fees are if Nadal plays uh, Bercy and uh, the year end. Um, yeah, because. There's really no reason for him to play these. I think he actually does want to play the year-end. There is a reason for him to do that one because he's never won it. Um, and so it's just another shot at it. Um, but for all intents and purposes, like he, he's at 19 Grand Slams, and everyone in the Nadal camp the so the the focus the the absolute focus is getting to number 20 and then the number 21 and i think he wants a second aussie open um that's sort of if he can get a second aussie open then he'll have done like a double career grand slam which nobody else has done he wants that and he wants to solidify Garros again um and if he does those two things, Nadal fans will uh, will go to bed happy for the rest of their lives.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it'll be, like... Like, yeah, that would be amazing. But he would still have some work to do fending off the others.
0: I think he does realize how, like... <sighs> the value of a uh, of keeping the number 1 ranking uh or just ha- obtaining it and remaining there because uh Wimbledon this year he was number 2 in the world but was dropped down to number 3 in the seedings um and that that was sort of a difference maker um and i think he doesn't want that to happen again yeah. But he has been to the semifinals the last two years in Wimbledon and so I think he'll be able to maintain his ranking for the Wimbledon seedings. But I think I honestly actually I don't even think that crosses his mind. Like if he's number one or two in the world that's that's good enough because it means he won't play Djokovic until the finals yeah um and australia and Erlangaris and other tournaments but yeah i guess what what else to look forward to um honestly i really don't care about this next gen atp finals i guess i'm wondering if felix plays it um won't play it um and then there are guys like tiafoe who are making the cut um but I yeah, I just don't care about that anymore. Um and then hmm. it'd be interesting to see if like any of the French like uh veterans do well in the Paris tournament, like Songa or Monfils or Simone or those guys. Um but yeah. I think uh, I think we've just about covered it. Um, so, fans, uh, if, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we enjoyed it, and we hope you did. And without any further ado, music. On